The Greek Orthodox Metropolis of Chicago exists to receive and share unconditional love, mercy, healing, and peace so that life has greater meaning and purpose. Hello, and welcome to our show, Call to Lead, an Orthodox Christian Perspective. I'm Dimitri Fardellos, and I'm joined today in conversation with my co-host, Mary Scott. We are spending this season discussing Orthodox servant leadership. But before we get started, we want to thank all of our collaborators, His Eminence, Metropolitan Nathaniel, the Greek Orthodox Metropolis of Chicago, and our strategic planning goal team. Without their support, this would not have been possible. Mary? For today's conversation, we're excited to welcome Father Dustin Lyon to talk with us about dealing with difficult situations in conflict resolution. He and Presbytera Nikki are currently at St. George in DeKalb, Illinois. Father Dustin is no stranger to difficult situations. He's dealt with church roof collapse, the selling and buying of church property, a major renovation, a church fire and restoration, and on top of all of this, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Of course, each and every one of these situations has produced conflict, but Father Dustin is here to discuss how he navigated these situations and how each of you can too. Father Dustin, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, Father Dustin. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Today's topic is about conflict. Conflict happens in all areas of our lives. I'm right and you're wrong will not resolve any conflict. This becomes even more difficult when it happens between parishioners. We don't want to have hurt feelings when we are seeing each other in church, and we don't want someone to leave our church due to a conflict. How should we, as Orthodox Christians, handle conflict and the resulting difficult situations? Today's program will give us an opportunity to better handle conflict and difficult situations. Developing these skills will help us to be better leaders in our parish, community, and even in the workplace. So, Father, with a topic as big as difficult situations and conflicts, I'm not sure where do we even begin? Good question. As you know, conflict is a part of life. It's something we've all grown up with. Our first conflicts were probably with our parents or our siblings. I remember as a child, one of the rules was that my sister and I had to clean up our toys before dad got home from work. Now, as an adult, I understand why my mother would make such a rule. But my argument always was, but I'm going to play with these toys after supper. Unfortunately, my line of reasoning didn't work. This particular conflict always ended with me in the corner or me picking up my toys. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Hopefully we've learned how to manage conflict a little bit better as adults. That's my prayer. But managing conflict in healthy ways is a skill. And it's one that I believe all of us can improve on. After all, we're only human. And sometimes anger gets the best of us. So as Orthodox Christians, where do we begin? For me, it always begins with scripture. It has to start with scripture. As a priest, this is my non-negotiable starting place for almost 
everything. Father, can you please tell us more? So beyond parents, siblings, and friends, perhaps the biggest conflicts we have in our lives are with our spouses. But believe it or not, the Orthodox Church begins our marriages off on the right foot. I believe most priests do marriage counseling with couples as they begin the journey of their lives together. But in addition to that, the epistle reading at the wedding ceremony is a perfect primer for how to handle conflict. Wait, Father, wait, isn't that the one where wives are submitting to their husbands? I think that makes most people a little uncomfortable and perhaps even, I don't know, outdated a little bit. How does that help us settle the conflicts? Well, let's take a look. This is St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, edited for time. So here it is. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself, its savior. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. As you observed, Mary, this passage seems a bit outdated and old-fashioned. In churches, where couples get to pick the readings, many couples prefer to have 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, read instead. But as Orthodox Christians, we're stuck with this one. But it's actually a great way to begin a marriage. How so, Father? Well, if we understand this passage properly, we see two things happening. First, the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. And secondly, at the same time, the husband is supposed to love his wife. The word for submit here is ipotasso, which is actually a military term. It has the sense of arranging troops under the command of a leader, but it also has the sense of cooperation or carrying a burden. So if you could think of this as the wife helping to carry the burden of her husband, rather than the wife simply doing what the husband says, I think this is a healthier way of understanding this. But the husband also has a responsibility. He has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But the question is, how did Christ love the church? He died for it. That's how. So husbands, are you willing to die for your wife? Father, that's all fascinating, but um, how does this work for conflicts? <laughs> yes, here's why. In both cases, whether it's the wife helping carry the burden of her husband or the husband sacrificially loving his wife, they have to set their own ego aside for the sake of the other. That's St. Paul's point. You cannot be in a marriage and be consistently asserting your rights, your ego, your wants, or your desires. To love your spouse in a Christian way is to learn to love your neighbor, which in this case, happens to be your spouse. Of course, this is a lifelong process, 
and we constantly need the intercession of Christ, his mother, and the saints. Now, on a side note, I do want to say if you are in an abusive relationship, whether it's physical, sexual, or psychological, neither the Bible nor the church is telling you to stay in that relationship. Please reach out for help and make sure that you're safe. Yeah, Father, that's a really important point. The church does not condone abusive relationships in any way. Exactly. The key here is that we willingly, out of our own free will, choose to love our neighbor. The gospel always has to be accepted out of freedom. But here's where the rubber meets the road. If you're working on growing spiritually by putting St. Paul's words into action, this means that you will approach arguments and conflicts very differently. Rather than approaching a conflict with the idea that you have to be the winner or that you have to assert your will because you have the better idea, you're going to approach a conflict instead with the idea that perhaps the other person might have something valuable to say. You may even have the intention of saying something like, here's what I was thinking, but I'd much rather hear your side of the story. Or you could say, what are your ideas? Now, of course, this is an ideal world, but if all parties in a conflict come to the table with this mindset, there'd be no conflict at all. It sounds like it's an important concept to teach in our churches. It is. It's an approach that's about the ethos of the conversation, the way one goes about approaching the subject. I'd also like to point out that this is the same sort of thinking Deacon Perry Hamelis was talking about in the Orthodox Christian Leadership episode earlier in this podcast series. Approaching conflict is about approaching it as a servant leader, and thus approaching a particular situation as Christ approached the cross. So, Father, tell us more about approaching difficult conversations, whether that be confronting someone about their behavior, their collaboration skills, or lack thereof their attitude. How do we prepare? Do you do anything to prepare? Like, do you plan out your conversations? Yes. So when you approach a conversation like this, you do want to prepare. So for example, you want to be able to articulate what the problem is, but you also want to have the data, the specific examples of when their behavior or attitude, for example, was a problem. You also want to provide examples of how their behavior or whatever the problem is, is affecting the entire community. So for example, say you're having a problem getting greeters to show up on time for services. They're good intentioned people, but they figure that no one's at Orthros anyway, or it's okay for the regulars to get their own candles. You could try approaching them and saying, I've noticed that you've been getting to church late these past three Sundays. Is everything okay? Now, they may respond with something like, well, you know, Father, you know, I'm just not a morning person. But then you can follow up with, you know, I feel that this is an important ministry because having a greeter helps build community by making people feel welcome. And it's especially important for when we have visitors. They're our guests, and we want to make sure that they have a good experience. Perhaps it will mean they'll want to come back. But when we don't have greeters, this important aspect of the church, this community building portion, well, it just gets lost. Then 
you might come up with a plan, a resolution together. And what if they just won't be able to get there on time? Then I think it might be appropriate to have a conversation about helping them find another ministry, one that's suited better for them. Then you can go and find someone else who would excel at greeting. Kind of like getting the right person on the right seat on the bus. Correct. Conflicts are always going to be uncomfortable. There's no way around it. But they don't have to be mean and nasty. Sometimes you may have to make hard decisions. And yes, sometimes people may be upset or disappointed in the end. But what scripture is telling us is that the control we have is over ourselves rather than others. And it helps us to understand how we should approach the matter. We may have to be firm, but we don't have to turn conflicts into a yelling match or an ego competition. Hmm. It seems like I remember a passage in the gospel that took this sort of approach. And if I remember correctly, did it have a harsh ending? (laughs) I love it. You're thinking scripturally. Yes, you're thinking about what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Here it is. If your brother or sister sins, go and show them their fault when the two of you are alone. If they listen to you, you have regained your sibling. But if they do not listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be established. If they still refuse to listen to you, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, that last bit, that part about treating them like a Gentile or tax collector may sound a bit harsh to us. But the point is that we have to attempt to resolve the conflict. Note that we are to go and discuss the matter privately, not gossip about the problem. And we are to treat them in a loving way. And if this doesn't work, you have to try a second time and a third time. But each time, remember what we learned from Ephesians. Approach the matter out of love. In fact, we see this in the Matthew passage, in the language that he uses. If a brother or sister, a sibling, sins, then go to them. I I can certainly relate to the sibling conflict. Father, do you ever find it hard to listen when it comes to disagreements in your church life? And how do you listen? As I mentioned earlier, we should be prepared. But don't let that get in the way of hearing what the other person is saying. Let them talk. And when they're finished, I found it helps to repeat back to them what I've heard. For example, I encourage you to try this in conversations as well. But the trick is to use your own words rather than repeating their words verbatim. So summarize what you heard. You may want to start by saying, I hear what you're saying is. So what? I hear you saying is that we should be listening closely enough to articulate their perspective. That's it. In addition, when two people are engaging in a tough conversation, I also encourage people to use I language. I'm not sure I understand. (laughs) You just did it. Instead of saying, Father, you're a bad speaker, you use the word I. I don't understand. Typically, when we get heated, we start to blame the other person. You're the problem. You do this, or you're out of line. But instead, we can try using I language. For example, 
I'm hurt when, or I feel angry when I'm expecting something and I'm forgotten, something like that. Using I language is often coupled with how the situation is making you feel. It's also a way for you to take responsibility for how you're feeling and take ownership for what you're saying, rather than throwing responsibility onto the other person and cornering them. Remember what we learned from St. Paul. We're encouraged to love one another, and it's an easy way to do that in conversation. Thanks, Father. I think we're running a little bit out of time, so I'd just like to summarize a few of the key highlights from our conversation. I think the first one is dealing with difficult situations or conflict has a lot to do with the approach. When St. Paul said that wives should submit to their husbands and husbands should love their wives, what he meant is that both spouses should be willing to set aside their own pride and their own egos, and then this is the approach that we should take in all conflicts. I think the second thing that I took away is when we have to start a tough conversation that might result in conflict, we should probably sit down and be prepared with examples of the behavior and how it's affecting us or the community and really describe that situation. And finally, if we're approaching conflict out of love of neighbor, we should be willing to listen to them. And we can do this by repeating back to them what we heard them say and by using I language. You got it. This is a big topic and we could spend all day talking about this. But what I wanted to do is give you a framework, an approach that sets the stage for our listeners. Every situation is going to be unique, but our goal is to create a Christian atmosphere where we can learn to resolve our differences in a loving way. Father Dustin, thank you again for joining us and for sharing your insights on dealing with difficult situations in conflict resolution. Thank you.